Sam, I gotta say, you got your hair is really at an all-time high. It's like the Thank best you. haircut you've ever had. And you've had like all the best haircuts. Do you feel, I know it's true. Do you feel stressed or um, burdened by the new kind of maintenance and stuff? Like having hair go down is really different because when it's back or to the side and you just do this, but being, this is different. The, the down and forward thing is really different. Yeah, well, when, when I left, Masami, her parting advice to me was um, just get it as greasy as possible and that'll kind of take care of the like the 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 drape of the bangs basically yeah which took a couple days because you know she shampooed it and everything before um, the cut and so I was like I could not stop fucking with it especially because I was like going outside in like 95 degree humidity and I like didn't know what my bangs looked like so I was really like weird about it and kept like looking at myself in my like phone camera. My bangs um, okay. My bangs okay. I was literally asking people and they were like, shut the fuck up, you're fine. Yeah. They look great. <laughs> but now it's like after a couple of days of just like settling, it's it's I like don't actually I used to fuck with my old haircut so much more, like yeah. pushing it back and touching it and stuff. And now I just kind of like I just let it rage. Rachel and I are approaching um hair um Symmetry, equality. Yeah. Same hair ish. Mm -hmm. Have you been so cutting yours? My hair, my hair makes 25 cents on the dollar. <laughs> true. Yeah, there would never be true hair equality between us, but um, you know, we can we can work towards it. Mm -hmm. Did you just play tennis, Noah? Or go for a run or something? Your hair no, looks I, like Am I sweaty? <laughs> I've just it's, hair. it's because it's because I've been pounding coffee and intensely pouring over the fashion shows on my laptop <laughs> and like getting up and like getting really hyped when I see something good. So it's been, yeah, I've been working out, but it's been just looking at fashion shows online. It's, that's GQ sports. Yeah. 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 This is the new GQ sports show. It's me responding uh, it, physically to fashion shows that I've seen. This is actually a pretty good idea. On a split screen TikTok, like that guy. I mean, the does the TikTok food kid have a name? I think I was, so. I I was trying to look him up this it's morning just, actually, and it's fucking impossible to find TikToks on Google. Yeah, <laughs> you have to have the app. Um, I've yeah, it seems like it just that stuff gets shared and it blows up, but you can't really find the primary source unless you are. I don't know, maybe if you're like 18, it's very, really easy to figure that out. Um, Episode 101 of Corporate Lunch, where we, uh, we figure out TikTok real quick in the intro. Um, no, but the kid who responds to food by just going, whoa, huh? Yeah. That's me watching the fashion shows. And then in the end, he's like, oh, tacos. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the moment of confusion, like the sort of arc of the story where he has this moment of confusion is always like, it's this really gentle kind of suspense that I think oh, yeah. is really right for this moment. Yeah, you don't want to be panicking. You don't want this, this, yeah, you don't want a sense of panic over like what, you know, what's he going to Yeah, what's that ball of dough going to become? But also like, it's probably like not a... Uh, 
a cool way to talk about TikTok is not to just describe TikTok videos, but the food, the cooking videos he's responding to are like weird, like forager. It's like a guy in the woods who like does, he like does it all with a machete and a campfire, you know, there's like, and it's, it's not like a normal, it's like a survivalist, gourmet survivalist forager food video, which in and of itself is pretty interesting. (laughs) But it's just funny that that's like his genre. Yeah. All right. So where are we can someone give give me a quick rundown of where we are with regards to fashion week as it exists um is it over is it is this just an ongoing so it it, fashion week existed in a like a real time frame that corresponded to when it would have existed had we not been in corona lockdown sort of yeah and the, the both Paris and Milan had a schedule that they released and then the the you know brands released these videos on that schedule and then some Italians just did fashion shows yeah just because fuck it like you really you know you only live fashion. once etc yeah well fashion's about nostalgia so. <laughs> Um, Why not reprise something that is no longer relevant? I identify with that. So what did you guys think overall of this experience? I'm still catching up on stuff, but I've, I've, um, I didn't, I didn't participate in real time. Like get, I didn't do live streams or like catch things as they were coming. It was just too difficult, but I have been pouring through the content because it's all just available now. And, um, I find some of it to be like pretty compelling. Do you guys have thoughts or anything to share with the podcast listeners? This is a GQ styles um, podcast about clothes and customer service and um, fast, casu- fast casual dining. I, I like wasn't into the, the videos so much. Um, you know, I prefer to just look at the Vogue runway slides at the end of the day, which is how I would see most of these shows anyway. I was just confused by the schedule a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I would never ordinarily, I don't want to say never. This makes it seem like I really am bad at my job, but I wouldn't normally pay much attention to like campaign videos, which existed, which have always existed. There's always been like, watch our video. And I would just always be like, I don't know, either I saw the show or I saw the collection or I've seen the clothes. Like, I don't really need yeah, to like immerse myself in your like advertising world. But this felt like it, it felt like worth giving them a little bit more of a chance this time. And um, like I watched this, that whole like 20 minute Gucci thing. And I thought it was like pretty cool. Yeah, I felt the same way. I mean, I thought it was cool that, um, I thought it was cool that like all the brands were sort of playing on the same field. Yeah. So it was like you sort of sank or swim by the strength of this creative thing that you put together. So like, you know, there were brands that I like wouldn't normally have caught the show or might've been like, oh, I really need a break. Like I'm not gonna see this or like it's too far away or whatever that I managed to look at like in the way that they wanted me to see the collection, which I thought was really nice. Um, And I don't know. I mean, I thought like, I agree with you, No, it's like, these are things that the brands were doing before, but it's actually nice to see 
like it felt like a lot of time like times that those were like big marketing expenses that just made me feel guilty about the amount of money that was spent on this like oh we got like the guy who did Transformers to like direct video for yeah. us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this felt a little bit more like um, thoughtful. And a lot of them were like bizarre and weird and creative and cool. I mean, some yeah. of them were really boring, but. Um, and then you just like X out of them and you don't watch them. Yeah. The beauty of the internet. Close the tab, man. Close I mean. Some of them, like I watched, like the La Mer videos, this very straightforward, basically like runway show in a concrete room, but it was short. And I, you know, I like those clothes. I, I care about what La Mer's doing generally. And I was, I found myself like into like the casting and like the choreography of it, which was like subtle and pretty dull, but like it, it was really just like a La Mer runway show. And I wasn't, I wasn't so put off by that. I wasn't like, this. Is, what's the point of this? I was kind of like interested in seeing like who they got in the clothes and like how they moved and how they, like the sequence of the looks coming out. I don't know. I mean, it's pretty, um, I don't want to say like boring. There's not much whiz bang there. You know what I mean? It's very straightforward, but I found myself like watching and interested in like seeing what there was to see the way I might be if I was at the show, I guess. Um, what I thought was interesting was that over the last like three months, a lot of brands have released statements being like, you know, I think like most notably Gucci, you know, Alessandro Michele Gucci saying, okay, like we are, we are ditching this old system. We're moving on. We're going to do something totally different. The fashion show that seasonality doesn't make any sense anymore. And then like clockwork, fashion week happens at all the brands. Obviously they're not, you know, some were doing runway shows, some were doing combination runway videos, some were just doing like campaign videos basically. But a lot of them were, you know, it felt like business, you know, was going back to normal a little bit. Um, at least like in terms of like adhering to the seasonal schedule and releasing the collection when it was supposed to come out and doing the whole press sort of rigmarole. Um, but I wonder if it's like, I don't know. It felt to me like this is like maybe like a bridge of some sort to like whatever comes next. Like, you know, brands might just start sort of like taking things into their own hands and like doing weirder, different, maybe not physical presentations, even when people are like allowed to travel to Paris and stuff again. I don't know. I don't know if that, if you guys thought about that at all. It seems like, well, go ahead, Rachel. No, Noah, you first. Just, I, well, I was going to say something very dumb and obvious, which is like, I don't think we know yet. Like, I think we have to see how this season does. Like, I think a lot of it will have to do with like how buyers and the buyers and sellers of the collections feel like it all goes. And if, mm -hmm. if it feels like transactionally, there's like a system that makes sense, then I think it, you're right about that. But I, you know, fashion gets stuck in its in its ways and doesn't like to change. So I feel like there could be a quick rush back to the old system once it's possible. Well, I think the, that um, the thing that uh, brands, I don't know if anyone has like written a piece about this or not, but it seems surprising to me that more people aren't talking about this. The thing that you actually get now from doing a runway show is that you have all these people there who are Instagramming the show. Yeah. You get this like 
this like incredible free advertising essentially for your brand. Um, and that's just Noah, not- Because Noah, Rachel and Sam are there going live. Because yeah, Noah, Rachel and Sam are there just like taking pics, putting the dancing skeleton like in front of the runway and being like, oh my God, a dancing skeleton at Givenchy. But like, if you don't have, like the thing is you can do something where you live stream a show and there's no one in the audience, but if there's no one in the audience, you're actually missing this huge um, benefit of having a fashion show to begin with, which is like a bunch of people there are sharing stuff to their feed. And you just can't do that with a really interesting video presentation. Yeah. Some, some brands like, I think most notably Prada and um, Lueve did try to reach the types of people who would be like front row at the show Instagramming. And like Lueve sent you that like huge crazy box of stuff yeah, and you influenced I got it. one too. I, just for the record, I want it to be known that I also got a huge Lueve huh. box. Did you sell it on Grail? Yeah, mine's on Grail for $55,000. I'm going to buy a Corvette when I sell it. <laughs> Damn, that's harsh. Um, and then- well, I gave mine to B to play with. Like Prada had the sort of Prada influencer people go live during the live stream, right? Mm-hmm which is a little sort of funny. Yeah, I think Gucci did a similar thing. Yeah. Um, but it's still just not gonna be, that's just not the same as people who are just there and taking it in and sharing it on Instagram. I mean, I don't wanna see someone's like live Instagram of a video on YouTube that I could just watch from the exact same perspective. It's so funny because I think of all of that. So like, so I think of all social media content from runway shows, much like anything else as being about the person who's posting it, not about the thing being posted. It's like being at Coachella or Aspen or um, on a yacht. You're like, this is, I'm sharing, I'm promoting myself. I'm sharing this because it's about me doing this thing. I'm not promoting the brand. And obviously like the paid influencers, like, use the right hashtags and they are directly promoting a thing intentionally but it's like it's hard for me to wrap my head around even those that reach millions of people that it's like yeah that that anyone that these followings are really absorbing like the content of it and not just the person who's sharing it if that makes any sense that they're somehow um I mean, exposure, I guess, is the whole thing, right? The deal is like getting more people to look at Gucci and, and look at who's at Gucci and who cares about Gucci. But it's also like, I never think of that as something that converts to like, or I'm a little mystified by how that converts to like sales or anything real for the brand. I don't think that it does, but I think it converts to clout. Which is what yeah. really matters. Yeah. It's also like one of those things where, you know, like, you know, when people talk about, <laughs> this is going to, maybe we should take this out, but like when yeah. people talk about impression numbers. Yeah. And they're like, this, like, New York Times story, you know, the New York Times has X number of subscribers and readers, but the impression numbers are like 10 yeah. billion. Yeah. And you're like, well, what's, does that really mean anything? I mean, that's sort of like, uh, combination of like people who would tell someone else about it and like just the kind of vague awareness that like this story happened or this runway show happened so I think that that's what it is you know yeah. it's also like a lot of brands now are like 
you know, have to market themselves to young people who would maybe like buy a wallet or a t-shirt. Yeah. Right. So like the reason why a lot of brands are, or most brands are billion dollar brands is not because everyone is like, I'm going out and buying the like exquisite, you know, $7,000 Gucci coat, but because so many people are buying the sneakers and t-shirts and sweatshirts and stuff. And like, in order to push that like designer merch, you have to have like the cool band energy that makes that stuff appealing. Should we talk about some of our favorite shows now that we've explained how fashion works to everyone? Yeah. Yeah. Um, we were a Sam Highness. I don't know. Someone assigned us. We assigned ourselves to pick our three favorite shows that we've seen. Were you guys able to do that? Yeah. I, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Were you able to do it? I wonder if we have any of the same ones. This well, is- I was I was like, we're all just going to say the same thing. And then I was like, no, we're not. Um, I I kind of was able to do it. I'll so just start. And say our first one at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> Did you guys I'm rank it? them? I no, didn't. I, in an I didn't order. I'm not ranked. I'm, al- I'm also not really, I'm not really sure which three I'm going to say. I'm just going to. I'm going to wing it and I might change mine based on what you guys said. Well, when we did this before though, didn't we like Sam says one, then Rachel says one, then Noah says one. And then we, isn't that what we did before? Yeah, we all, did. Right, all right, let's do it. And let's, um, if we do double up, you have to be honest and just give a different reason for your goddamn answer. But shouldn't we, maybe we can cut this out or maybe it's great extemporizing, but if we have a, this, if we have overlapping choices, shouldn't we just both discuss that at the same time? Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. That's better. All right, who's going first? Sam. Okay, I'll go first. My number one show of the season is actually <gasps> not ranked in any order, um, but this is just the first one I'm going to talk about, is Off-White. Because I have this theory that Virgil's most interesting work is actually happening at Off-White and not at Vuitton. And Okay. So this is actually not, this isn't the spring 2021 collection. This is pre-spring, a resort or whatever. Um, But it marks the first, um, I think the first collaboration that um, Virgil has done with Ed Kamara, the stylist. And the lookbook's just really fucking good. It's like super light on graphics. Um, the silhouettes are awesome. And I'm just really into this new like boot sort of like boot cut trouser thing that Virgil's doing um, with like- This is the one, this lookbook sort of has like a Balenciaga vibe to it, right? Totally, yeah. The models are all kind of like stuck in like awkward poses and one like- guys yawning or something. Yeah, they look like rolled out of bed basically. Um, and it's like, it, you know, it's the first, it's the first off-white collection that I've seen where I've been like, I should like, I want to like go into an off-white store, like wait in line or whatever. And like, try to like, look at some of this stuff in person. Do people wait in line to go into off-white stores? Or you mean because of COVID or you mean because it's popular? I think there's always a little bit of a line um, around the, the Green Street one. But like, I'm obsessed with this cutoff hoodie, the cutoff sleeve hoodie. I never mm-hmm. thought I would say that, but I just think it's really fucking cool. The big I, season for vests. Yeah. I mean, a cutoff, a sleeveless hoodie is 
is like high on my list of all time worst garments. I just like, but when I look at it and hear Sam say it, I believe it. I believe him and I want him to have one. The pants, they're good. They're good trousers in there. All right, Rachel, you go. We can't go too slow or we're going to. Okay. All right. Be all day. But that is a great, that's a fantastic hot take. It's a great start. And um, hopefully the beginning of a long and fruitful discussion about the merits of off-white. Okay, uh, my uh, favorite show of three was Botter. Yeah. Um, which is an Antwerp-based brand, or an Amsterdam-based brand, rather, that uh, moved to Paris a few years ago because the creative directors um, became the creative directors at Nina Ricci. But they make this incredible, these incredible pieces where they're both from the Caribbean and they sort of like distill these codes from Caribbean dressing into this like very, I don't want to say minimalist, but it is kind of minimalist, this like minimalist uh, look. And then they just like explode it. So it's like, it's very quiet, but it's it's sort of vivacious, which is such a weird combination. Um, and they upcycle a lot of the, I don't even know if it's really fair to say upcycle. It's just like they, they have this really strange approach to materials. Um, and so they use, they made this like these beautiful tailored pieces from like a lining material. And as a result, it just looks really light and super easy and like really breathable and the way that it's cut all of the pieces are cut is very beautiful like they layer a lot of different shirting materials like they'll pair two shirting materials together in this very casual very fluid way that i think is cool um and they have this insane for this collection they decided to sort of like double down on things that have worked for them before so which i liked that approach that a lot of designers took i mean that's kind of like also what prada did um but they have this crazy polo shape where they like expand a striped like a rugby polo and then like bond it to neoprene so it's like this it's like giant polo, but it's like huge in a way that like Balenciaga is not huge. It's totally different than that. It looks like really airy and it also kind of looks like a giant parka, but it's yeah. just really beautiful and it's so simple. And it's also, um, it's just a, a, an approach to like sort of using materials in a different way that is a little bit similar to something like Marine Serre does, but it's not quite su such a direct kind of Margiela style of upcycling. Yeah, I just think it's really, it's so, um, I just thought it was so lovely and really beautiful. And it I, has kind of a, a quirky sense of humor that I like as well. It reminded me a little bit of Camille Forkins, yeah. who we also like. There's a similar print and then a similar weirdness, totally different like approach. And, and like, you feel like the references are really quite different, but there's this similar like deconstructed, like children of Margiela sort of global approach there that's um and like a funness that's pretty cool. I like this one a lot too. I I would say this was in my top three also. Some of the best shorts of the season in this collection. Yeah. Really good shorts. There's this really nice um a lot of designers are doing, you know, floral kind of button up short sleeve shirts for the past couple of seasons. But they did this really amazing one that's orange 
where if you fold down the if you fold down the sleeves when it's just laying down, if you fold down the sleeves into the front, the print creates like a tank top. It's kind of hard to explain, but if it's it's the it's the third look. Yeah. And it's like this orange floral print. And it's just such an elegant way to think of like laying out a fabric. Very when playful. I first, when I first looked at the show, I was trying to figure out what the footwear was. Yeah, there are sneakers with like jellies on top. I just figured it out. Yeah, there there are Solomons, white Solomons wedged into like size 15 jelly sandals. Oh, yeah. that's cool. Hilarious. Well, it's like they're, it's like a riff on like the idea of a crampon or a, um, <laughs> You know, like ice climbers or certain, like there there are like over shoes. It's a thing that exists. I think Matthew Williams' Nike collaboration had some of this idea. Um, I don't know, it feels like it's sort of referencing that in a funny way. What do you guys, what else do you guys know about Botter? Just like, I feel like this season's gonna, has like put them on a map in a really cool way for reasons Rachel said, which is like, just like exposure because of the sort of evenness of like, you know, they're on Vogue runway with everyone else and not necessarily fighting for attention. I mean, they are, but not like physical attention. And, um, but like, what do you guys know about where they're sold or, I haven't seen the brand in a store before, but I don't, I, you know, I haven't really been in a store. I started seeing it in um stores when i did the la shopping story so like at the end of last year um botter's fall winter 2019 collection was um was in some cool stores in la was it at departmento it was at the h lorenzo like the cool so there's like four h lorenzo's and it was in the really cool one that had like kiko and marine Sare, like the one for like emerging experimental designers they had a ton of it it was all really sick they also are at Dover Street, I think. Yeah. Um, and when they joined Nina Ricci, which I think was a year and a half ago, Puig took a, I think a majority stake in mm. the business. So I would imagine that it's going to pop up. Pop up and pop up. Places. Interesting. All right, I'm gonna say um, for the next top show of all time, um, Gucci. Resort 21. Why are these, why is it Resort 21? Because well, technically what they would be showing now. Got but it. It's their last, it's really the epilogue. And from now on, they're never showing on the schedule again. Oh, I didn't pick up that piece of the narrative. Okay. Well, so at first I was looking at this collection and I was like, this just looks like rich, retro, just like a vintage, like really rich people's vintage clothing in a way that, that I felt a little um, not quite in line with like the way people are thinking right now, like a little out of sync, I guess, and a little just like a little tired. But then the more I looked at it as with any like Gucci collection, it just, I just find that it becomes more and more interesting. Like you start to like notice the, the like nuance of, of the references and like the, the detail. And then this one was all cast on like Gucci employees, which I actually really liked. I think 
Yeah. So people, I think, think like, you know, we don't want to see fashion on normal people. We want to see like the most aspirational version of it, which I get that to some extent, but I think all these people look really cool. And, um, you know, there is something to the fact that the people who design the clothes typically look really good in the clothes. Um, not all designers wear their own clothes, but so anyway, and then, so a couple things about this Gucci one, I thought is I, I started realizing that Alessandro was really, there was more divergence between like what seemed to be the men's looks and the women's looks than ever. Like for a long time, they really overlapped and it was all one thing. And this time I was like, Oh no, there's kind of a men's direction here. That's actually separate from the women's. Um, and, and I liked it. I mean, I liked it the other way too, but I just felt like the men's stuff here was like taking on its own. I noticed it taking on its own, I don't know, character for the first time. And then I'll just say that there are these kind of baggy, sort of tapered, pleated corduroys throughout that are just like the best pants, if you ask me. So it was really the corduroys worn most notably by Simone Bellotti, the men's ready-to-wear designer who just looked awesome. Um, like bright color, kind of wide whale, baggy cords. And I was just like, oh yeah, that's like, it's just like one of the things I'll think about long after I've forgotten uh, about, who you are. about these collections and who I am really. I'll be thinking about these corduroys and um, like Gucci ready to wear is probably not something I would really think about buying for myself necessarily, but the corduroy pants, I was like, okay, here we are. And I would say that me wearing the collection is not the thing that I, I, it's not my, that's not the judgment tool I use when I think about what I like or what I don't. But in this case, the cords won me over. And um, I was going to say one other thing. You know what? The one other thing I'll say that's funny about them naming all these people and their jobs is I, with big fashion houses, you know, you've always, there's always awareness that there are des many designers behind the head designer. And they'll never tell you who they are. You can like go on LinkedIn and you might hear it. And once in a while, you know about who has what job. But like, it's very rare that a, a big brand will say, oh, and here's the guy that designs our men's clothing because they just want you to think that Alessandro does. And, you know, he's obviously the boss. These people all report to him. He gets the title. But I just, I just love the, I, the clicking through this and like seeing who's who and who does what. Um, well, yeah, I mean, he used to be one of those people, so. Yeah, that's right. Alessandro was like an accessories designer, and then he, and then he, um. And I think that's, people are, so many fashion brands are trying to replicate that idea of like, oh, let's take this person who was, who has been sort of like toiling under this other creative director and like give them the keys. Uh, but he's sort of saying like, well, but like, people you don't necessarily have to become like the creative director to like be a sort of interesting part of the brand i think also i was just gonna say i really liked the sort of diverging men's direction too i thought it was like more it was like beefier yeah and like the the armhole on gucci uh menswear is always like really high and like yeah. tight and they've which is like the signature sort of thing i think for their their tailoring but it's like all sort of relaxed and he showed a bunch of cut off vests again. Yeah. The trend of the season. <laughs> um, and that sort of like pulled all of the shoulders out, which I thought was cool. That's right. 
Sam, did you like Gucci? You've been Gucci silent. I feel like I'm. I did um, like Gucci. Yeah. Um, are you gonna start wearing lipstick? I think if you could, you could if you wanted. There's some good men in lipstick here. Yeah, I, I thought the grooming was really nice. Actually, I liked. I I I, I agree that. Um, I thought it was sick too. Like, I feel like I was reading the little, I love, I love the lookbook because of all the little notes that were dropped in and it was sort of like the, the showing the work behind, behind the work aspect yeah. of it. And I felt like I was more focused on reading that stuff. Like, uh, you know, there were like little sticky notes that said like, wear your own jewelry here or something like that. Like zoom in on this bag with like the painted nail. Um, I really liked that. It's like the notes I used to give you guys um, for how to get dressed to go to work. Yeah. Right we would send our picture to you at like yeah. 7 a.m. and you would say, well. Mm. We'd say, let's try the hair down. Um, speaking of trends of the season, mm-hmm. we got sleeveless garments. Um, when I went to Florence in January and saw the Telfar show, it was inspired by the Medici's in Florence. And along comes Kiko Kostadinov uh, who does a show basically inspired by the same thing. It's like the second installment of Medici core that we've seen this year. And yeah. I really, really like this show. Um, you know, one thing worth pointing out is I feel like Kiko Kasanov has been going in like a dark streetwear direction. Um, and that's kind of like an audience that's found it really um, appealing. You know, there's a lot of like fan accounts on Instagram of like dudes in like, you know, international locations sort of wearing this, like wearing like the really like technical outerwear and the, and the, um, and the ASICs and like the big pants and like the Gore-Tex. Um, and this collection is the first one he's done, I think maybe ever without, since like really sort of blowing up without um, an ASICs collab. And I think that that might, I think that ASICs collab might be over, which hmm. I'm, I liked, that, that stuff a lot. I think it's like time to move on. Yeah. And Kiko developed his own boot um, for this collection and the boot is fucking crazy. It's not a Clark, it's not like with Clarks or something. I don't know who made it, but it's not branded. It's not like a co-branded. It's not a co-branded collaboration um, as far as I know, but it has this really amazing square toe shape, almost like the, um, the Chelsea boot that rafted a Calvin. That was like such a thing for, for a minute. Um, but it's on a crepe sole with this like, you know, big sort of like flower embroidery on it in the colors of the season. Uh, but I think besides that, you know, the, the, you know, the delicate like tights, like, you know, like with the sort of asymmetrical hems yeah. um, is uh, a really nice sort of like call out, I think to, this like weird like 16th century fashion that Kiko told our friend Steph Yaka he had been studying while designing this collection. And I don't know if that's like, you know, that's not the stuff that's like probably going to be produced and really hit from this collection. Like there's some really amazing um, like asymmetrical smocks and this really, really cool like sling bag that wraps all the way around the body diagonally. Um, I think even though this is like feels pretty different to me from Kiko's last couple collections. Like there's some pieces in here that really hit. Um, I just think he's, I just think he's like, his stuff just gets better and better. And um, I'm always interested in like what he's, 
what he has to say. And he has this like really obsessive creative process where he just goes so deep in like one thing. And he um, told Steph that this collection was sort of like the, the, you know, the kernel of inspiration was a ghetto Gothic mixtape from like 10 years ago that he had been listening to. That's funny then that it would echo the Telfar collection because that would make sense. Yeah, and um, it, took to, it took him to, you know, Renaissance Florence. Yeah, I sort of had this like a little, a little bit of like a panic feeling where I was like, oh man, like Kiko is such so on the verge of of massive stardom and like success that he should be making slightly more commercial collections. Like he should be making it feel a little more like grounded in, in in you know mass commercial fashion success whatever that could mean and he's just going like in the other direction and like especially by taking asics out of the picture which um i i think those have just been massive sellers but um i mean the payoff is that he's such he's so incredibly talented and such a brilliant pattern maker that this collection just like it's just incredible to look at even even just looking at images of it you just want to like understand like how the hell this stuff is made how it works and there's so you don't see much like that you know and it's um much done in like an independent uh, on the scale and um of a business like his you know and uh so yeah part of me is like man kiko if he if he could harness the the a commercial energy here there's no limit and you know he'll he'll be he'll be the next creative director of versace when the time comes but the the payoff i think is this like really fascinating and memorable and totally sort of brilliant weird renaissance inspired collection kiko come on the pod what would happen if he came on here he would just our microphones would melt i yeah. mean our, our laptop speakers we would be suddenly wearing like abstracted wigs. Fascinating that he would ditch ASICs. I mean, I guess we're speculating here that unconfirmed potential rumor that Sam Hine just started, but it's like, I think you're totally right. Like I always- I had heard that, I had heard elsewhere, might've still been a rumor, I, I honestly don't remember, but that the, collect, that, that the contract was for a certain number of seasons and that it was running out or whatever. I think they renewed it, but but I don't I don't know if this was like it certainly wasn't like an indefinite partnership, you know. I think they had like a they'd agreed upon like a number of seasons to do. I mean it makes good sense. Like it would be a shame for Kiko to do to to put in these years of work making these collections and just be just be known as the ASICs guy, you know. I mean I think there's something to like I always was a little bit put off by Y three and I I love Yoji Yamamoto the most but i just felt like y3 while it was big and successful and and you know I, I hope he made a lot of money doing it i always felt like it took a little something away from how great he and his collections really were like he just became more known for that internationally and it felt weird to me one of the original fashion sneaker collabs right yeah i mean it goes way yeah it's I don't know. I ne I just never really loved Y3, so I think it's sort of a personal thing. It's not that not that Y3 wasn't worthwhile, but you know, it went on for a very long time and was just kind of like I th I think 
overwhelmed, overshadowed his his career in moments. It's kind of like how I feel with my um, my Nike collection. Yeah. It's just all I'm known for. Everyone's always just asking me about that and not about my main line. And that really. I do uh, think there must be some people out there who think that like Raph Simmons invented the Stan Smith, you know, like that's what he should be known. Like that's what he's known for. When in fact it was Phoebe Philo. Yeah. That was- <laughs> <laughs> um, whose turn is it? Oh, I guess it's my turn. Right. Okay. Loewe. Great collection. Again, a collection where there are, like, just a handful of looks. Like, he usually has, like, 40 or 50 looks, and this was only 28 looks, which I thought was so cool. And each piece really stands on its own. Like, each piece is, there are only a handful of ideas in the collection, and they're explored in their best possible way. And then he, like, moves on to the next idea. Yeah. Which I thought was just really beautiful. And a lot of designers at his level are doing the opposite. Um, and I thought there was such a nice mix of insane, crazy fashion pieces, like the stretchy turtleneck with the balloon sleeves. Um, and then like, you know, these really beautiful sort of like Toreador coats that any 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 old dude or lady could wear yeah and then these like crazy circular pieces that are sort of like an abstracted version of this like toreador coat it's just like a really nice through line and i loved the shibori like giant shirts <laughs> i think those are yeah. so beautiful they're those just really really, really beautiful. beautiful um and the- i i like how it's like it's all crafty in the way that he's always really crafty, but um, it just didn't, it just never looks like he's like cutting clothes out of construction paper, which I think a lot of like crafty fashion looks like. Yeah, totally. I think like that woven shirt, the woven leather, the basket shirt is like, it's so crazy and interesting. And it's like the type of thing if I was like, if we all worked for some, if we all worked for Google, I would buy it. Where do people, do people make a lot of money anymore? I don't know. If we were really rich, I would buy something like this. But I think you're right that um, it's really tricky to take whatever like traditional craft, such as basket weaving. I don't know where, what region of the world he was looking to, but, and, and like bring it into a fashion universe, especially one as sort of like rarefied as Lueve's, you know? But I think he does it in a cool way without feeling like it's like condescending or without feeling like it's like uh, patronizing somehow, like the people who who make or collect like these types of crafts. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that trench coat with like the side buckle, the buckle that the strap that comes down and buckles at yeah. the side, like a seat belt is just like so cool. It's like strange, but also seems just really easy and cool. And then uh, I really want one of these balloon bags. I want the pineapple. I'm with you. This is the pineapple in the, the pineapple was in the box, but it's not in the, like. It's in the women's collection. The, yeah. So the artisan who made the pineapple 
made that pineapple, I think, for a project that they that they did um, maybe last year for like the Milan sort of like art and design fair. And then she also made the basket top. Which is pretty cool. <sighs> basket top looks like something that a monk would wear as like a punishment. Really? I think it looks like something that like a like if a bo- if the Bodhi dude was like, I'm going to Ibiza and I'm going to a rave, that's like what he would want. <laughs> yeah, the first basket one, I agree with you, but the last one with like the the, the leather straps that come over the face, yeah, was like punitive to me. But in a cool, you know, I love looking at it, but it's. I just me. think the Bodhi Ibiza man would want leather caressing his face at all times. But that's for another. That's for another pod. <laughs> okay, Noah, you're up next. Um, man, there's a lot of different things I want to. There's so much I want to say to you guys about fashion. Um, and <laughs> I'm gonna say undercover. I'm gonna say undercover. I was, I'm really debating here where I want to go with this, but I think undercover is a worthwhile conversation. Um, I've always loved undercover and I think June Takahashi is one of the great working designers period. And, but I have often felt like undercover gets kind of like burdened. It gets kind of is like burdened by his imagination and his influence and like obsession with, like Western pop culture references. And um, it's some things end up being like, just so on the nose, just like parkas with like stills from movies printed on them or just giant band logos. And like, anyway, this collection is, I felt like a more, a little more pure, like expression of, of what he does, I guess. And, the fun thing about it is that it was all rendered on in 3D um, on 3D models. In other words, it's not it's not even real. <laughs> Which I wish I had a little more information about how that actually happened because I mean the garments are clearly like real and there's real detail and like real volume and real everything about it is real. So I think he must have had them made and modeled and then the models were converted into 3d renderings um but it's just like the coolest shit the the just the volumes of it it kind of all has like a there's like a westerny kind of vibe to it then there's sort of like a, a a preppy like vibe in there and then a little bit of like french street and then some like streetwear. It just kind of goes all over the place with the actual like aesthetic, which is a very undercover place to be. But it it just feels like the ideas are all his and he's, he wasn't kind of obsessing over some like old movie or band the whole time. Which sounds kind of rude when I say it out loud like that. Sounds like I'm being rude to Jun Takahashi, but I'm not. But I just loved some of these like rumpled suits mm-hmm. with the big baggy trousers and... Um, like the cardigan with the beret and like 
glasses and like really good jewelry, extremely cool sandals. Um, it's a really some, sort of like and super on point like trend sampler, but yeah, in a way that feels super real and authentic and not just like here's some pearls, here's a beret, here's like a dude with painted nails, like here's a suit covered in these little cool weird silver accessories, like. All those things are like so in the air right now, but yeah. like it just all looks so natural and it like vibes with the collection so well that it doesn't feel just like, oh, what should we style this with? You know, like the sweatsuit with the pearls and like the CGI model yawning. Yeah. Yawning, another big trend in these lookbooks. Yeah, what's up with the yawning? Um, no one's getting enough sleep. There's uh -huh. one look that's like, <laughs> like uh look 28 that looks exactly like it looks like a maybe i shouldn't say this yeah it looks like it's like what you want to look like yeah i mean and i think like you know june takashi's never been married to like one silhouette or anything so this is like this feels like very authentic to what he's done for many 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 years um and i think sam you said it you said it best of it just being like sort of a trend sampler but without feeling like it's just responding to trends it feels like it's really like bringing them together and making them making them good i'm literally gonna paint my toenails this afternoon i salute you yeah uh i think you should paint this this one model really like has a lot of looks that reminded me of you sam it doesn't quite look like you but they're like look 35 they're like well this isn't really a sam Hine look i just love that look 35 it's like a baggy blue shirt tucked in and I don't know I don't want to describe it I'll ruin it if I describe it but for look those 15, look 15 is like how I want to dress this fall not the ace I'm not interested in the ace in like the side zip sweater but I do think that yeah. fit is really nice yeah wow that was tough that was a hard one for me to um decide on but someone else go maybe I'll, I'll tell you guys later why why it was hard how many have we done I've I've done my three You've done, we've all done two, right? Yeah. yeah but I, I agreed, but Botter was one of my top three Botter also. Years. So I need to come up with a different one? No. Well, I, know, I know that you liked this collection too, I think. So maybe we can talk about Xenia. Yeah, I was going to say Xenia too. But I have another one that I can say. Xenia, I thought, like a lot of, a lot of um, designers have done really like paired back simple collections, like which makes a lot of, I think, I think a lot of them like, you know, didn't lost some time because of the pandemic making these and felt like, like didn't get your Prada say that she felt like uh, it would almost be like uncouth to do like a really lavish, crazy collection right now. And that people just sort of want to go back to basics. The Xenia collection to me felt like a total flex uh, <laughs> in a way that I thought was actually really cool because like of, of all the brands like Xenia kind of like deserves to flex in like the tailoring space a little bit because they're, you know, it's taken them like three generate, you know, they're still a family owned company, like three, like third generation. Um, and they've sort of quietly emerged as this like fashion. I don't want to say like powerhouse because like their Alessandro Sartori's collection is like certainly not like the main driver of their business, but it has gotten like secretly really, really good. Um, and I just love this collection cause they've got like, a super wide, crazy crop suit, and then some soft shoulders, some strong shoulders, some like super lightweight 
loose jackets, some super structured, almost like stiff jackets. Yeah, uh, the cropped jacket. These suits with like enormous sort of like outer pockets. Um, and then suits that sort of look very like traditional and almost like retro with the um, narrow notch lapels. Um, there's just sort of like something uh, like there's a tailoring aesthetic in here for everyone almost. Um, like it's just a, sort of like a, a really broad survey of the types of work that Zenya can do. Plus just like some really nice like slouchy outerwear. Um, and, 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 you know, as you would expect, um, a very tasty color palette, um, and beautiful fabrics. So that was very pleasing. I'm glad that he seems to have ditched the jogger pant. Yes, that's, that's Wasn't, Hasn't that been in every Xenia collection, like for years, the Alaska cuff pant, some version of it? Mm -hmm. That was sort of a signature of um, Sartori's, yeah. I think it's also like when you have all these fashion houses that are turning towards tailoring to see like Xenia like sort of reassert itself like it looks I don't know it just doesn't look fashiony to me which is like a really appealing thing yeah. in a funny way like it doesn't look trendy but then at the same time it looks very directional mm -hmm. um and also the fabrics are just really fluid yeah reminds me a little bit of La Mer it has like a more it feels a little French in a way and a little less Italian some of the, the, the particularly the non-tailored looks. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, like, and also putting the, doing the skater bow for the <laughs> sweaters and stuff. Who did, wait, are you guys doing Xenia as a joint one? No. I actually um, want to do more. Well, let, Rachel, you, one. all right. Okay, so I really liked Casablanca. Whoa. Um, I just think it's such a- um, Party clothes. It's such a funny, not, it's not funny. It's a, such a vivacious kind of male vanity that you don't really see in fashion. Yeah. But it's definitely like a person who exists and buys a lot of clothes and is buying them from all of these other brands and now has this like one brand that is doing this exact kind of sleazy party, elegant pretty boy aesthetic. Um, but there's, it's quite masculine in a very appealing way. Um, do you think, how much do you think it's like ironic? I don't think any of it is really ironic. I think the styling like gives it a little bit of an ironic touch, but I think he, like he's been in Hawaii just hanging out and designing these like silk shirts and fruit prints and stuff. I mean, this collection was like more laid back than the last one was actually. It's a little quieter. I think um, I think the Casablanca designer listens to Corporate Lunch. I'm seeing a lot of vibes in this collection. It's a big vibe. Really? There's a there's like a really, really good safari jacket. Yeah. That is not for the faint of heart. I like all this Terry stuff. Yeah. I mean, the other thing is like, track suits and like billowy pants and kind of you know athleisure separates are like not going anywhere 
and yeah. this is such a nice funky way to, <laughs> to like do that in a way that uh, you know we've been seeing for a while but it just feels like fresh and really kind of freaky look did you guys have it open look 10 with the like in Sarsha, like orange blossom sweater mm-hmm. and cream trousers kind of flared trouser that's like and the little neck silk neck silk and the pearl earring but all of it is with sneakers yeah this is looking good i think my grandmother has that exact outfit yeah you wish she then you would steal it no um maybe i'll do one do you do you guys want to do a lightning round i have two more i want to mention do you guys have like a few more that you're itching to say something about or yeah, is it sure. is it a more powerful statement from corporate lunch if we if we we'll end do honorable mentions yeah all right i i can't stop i feel like such a square being like gucci and prada but i i thought the prada was killer yeah it was really good and uh it's just like if you close your eyes and think of prada it's kind of what you see um but it's like super you know you feel the restraint in some of it i mean there's still some moments of like um that kind of bowl you over but it you know what did you say that someone said something earlier about miss about about mucha saying now is not the time for opulence or whatever what the hell what am i trying to say she had this really amazing i think she was talking to business of fashion she was like this is like not the time for fun and like celebrating like i had one night with my husband where it was like it was either her birthday or his birthday and we put a chandelier on the table but you shouldn't be doing that all the time There's like a section, so this like collection kind of comes in sections and, and there's cool moments throughout. There's like one pattern and one like printed pattern dress in the whole thing, but there's a section in the middle that starts around look 30, look 29, look 28. And then there's a series of zippered shirts <laughs> that are just like, I'm obsessed with. Uh, men and women wear them. They're just like in gray and white, basically. Um, straightforward collared shirts with a zipper that just looks so like clean and cool and there's something a little clinical about it but i feel like that's the stuff i always loved most from prada that that version of like sleek kind of minimalism i guess like engineered minimalism um where you you sense that there's so much attention to how it's constructed and made and fit and all this but it's just like a white shirt with a zipper. Um, I just found that to be super appealing. And then, so it was really that middle section of the Prada show that I was killer, thought was like amazing. Then it gets into like knits and a really nice like soft color palette and then like underwear. Yeah, I don't know. This is a really cool collection, which I think sort of proves like why she's great. And then I guess so it'll be her last last solo collection right yeah raf is in there now already meddling with the dials bringing the youth the bringing a little youth angst to the house of prada cutting off all the sleeves 
tearing shit up, just like sticking pins and stuff and fraying things and um, I don't know. Playing New Order on the stereo. Yeah. <laughs> Should we do a little lightning round now? Yeah. I really like GMBH. Yeah. Love a lookbook that's just like anchored around one piece that feels like the center of the collection that everything revolves around. And for this one, it's the GMBH leather trouser with the two like crotch zips. I'm just obsessed with that pattern and that shape. And uh, you need two crotch zips because you have two penises. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, I just, I just think it looks killer and I've been, I need to cut that out. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that was my best, that was my best corporate lunch joke, maybe ever. I mean, they are like, it's a Berlin sexy, like S&M brand, essentially. Yeah. What was that store in Berlin that did that like ASMR? Oh my God. 50, like uh, the, uh, was it Vuvu? Vuvu store, yeah. Yeah. With the vinyl pants. Oh my God. I think leather pants is really going to be the fashion trend that just leaves me in the dust. It's like, I'm not, I can't. It's really going to be the end for me. Um, Nicholas Daly karate collection. Yeah. yeah really he, good. He debuted. I mean, no one saw it coming, but he obviously debuted his, his love for his newfound love for karate on corporate lunch when he was a guest this spring. I don't really think he talked about designing a collection. Maybe he had, maybe he wasn't there yet. I don't know. I don't remember what his time inspired it. Yeah, so this was this is like the Nicholas Daly corporate lunch collaboration sort of collection, very much inspired by this show, this program. And uh, anyway, I just thought this was a lot of fun. I thought this stuff looks extremely cool. It's super like in his wheelhouse, but like I think he talked about this like kind of scaling down a little bit and really focusing on what he does best. Obviously, these challenging and unprecedented times call for that. And I think he found a way to like, do the Nicholas Daly thing, the best version of it, but like just like spice it up and make it fun and cool and feel fresh. And um, I think, of course, like you just, you know, like he's been doing karate in it and then it's like reflected here. It's personal, it's cool. It's something he cares about, it's something he's doing and you feel that it doesn't feel, to me, it doesn't feel like forced or like, it's not like the perspective of like an observer or someone who like watched a few Kung Fu movies and felt inspired. It very much feels like it's coming from like a personal place of experience, which I thought, which it is. And that to me is what, what makes it work. Yeah. Stepping razor. It's called. It's a cool ass name for a collection. Such a cool collection name. I just want to shout out this doublet sweater. I love doublet, but they made this really good sweater that's like brown macrame with these like beautiful sort of medallions throughout. And then there's just a match, a matching bear mask. Can you hit the chat with the link? Oh yeah. It's the first look in the collection. Actually. What did you guys think? It's funny. You just said um, the bear mask. None of these collections featured masks. I didn't see anyone styling with masks. Did you guys? When you, a lot of the live streams or like videos you would see like the makeup artists or the stylists yeah. you know, or the dressers were wearing masks. 
it felt like, yeah, which like is nice and sort of reassuring because you do you see all these people together and you understand these productions are that these are real productions and you wonder like I hope they're you hope that they're all being safe and and doing all the right things. But I sort of I, yeah I wondered if we would see more like mask focused collections, but I guess. It's tricky, right? You don't want to like remind everyone with every look that they live in a pandemic and not everyone wants to. Not everyone does live in a pandemic anymore. Yeah, I I guess. Yeah. One of the things I find really strange is that people really want clothes to be political. And I actually think that like Prada and Loewe like had the totally the right instincts, which is like actually like instead of like, being so vocal and supportive and reactive we should sort of just pull back and like do what we can do in a dignified way with the clothes but like fashion should be quieter right now yeah like it shouldn't be so um obvious i guess yeah yeah yeah. or like inserting itself so much into the conversation right like your message in this moment, whatever it may be, is not the most important message mm-hmm. somehow. Right. And also like, I mean, I find it a little strange that, I mean, I don't like, it's a, it's a complicated thing. Uh, I found when people were really expecting brands to react to like, to like put out statements yeah. about what was happening. Um there was a little bit of like a gotcha because it's like, we all know that like these brands have a lot of work to do. And it was like, we need you to put out a statement. Uh, but then at the same time, when you put out the statement, it's like, you're not living up to the, the statement. Yeah. Um, that was a, I think that's a complicated thing. And I think it's a, in many ways, it's a good process because it did sort of force the brands, some of the brands that have a lot to do to sort of look inward a little bit more. Um, yeah. But well, that concludes um, Fashion Week for the rest of history, the last Fashion Week of all time that we eked out before the collapse of civilization. And um, episode 101 of, of Corporate Lunch, 101, the, uh, the first episode since episode 100. I had to take a week off just to celebrate, bask in the glory of doing 100 episodes. Um, everyone DM Sam High and a compliment about his new haircut and um, we're not going to do vibes because we ran out of time but this whole episode was basically vibes um, through and through what do you guys think? oh yeah see you next time <laughs>